I want to welcome you once again to Providence Road. My name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And like, like Blake said, if you're a parent, if you're a guest with us this morning, we're so glad that you're here. We're honored that you would choose to spend a Sunday morning worshiping with us. And like you've picked up on, this is, this is Church Planting Sunday. We obviously talk about church planting throughout the year because it's one of our values. It's near and dear to our heart. But today, Acts 29 encourages uh, the churches that are affiliated with it to have a day where we um, just give the whole day to church planting. So that's what today is. That's why I have my, my Czech Republic t-shirt on today. Um, I get an excuse to wear a t-shirt up here, and it also um, says baseball on it. So there's not too often I get to work baseball into my clothing. Um, big time of year. Uh, uh, opening of the season was a couple of weeks ago, and so, um, yeah, I'm going to call your attention to that, to all of you who care, and I know you care deeply in the church about that, so um, church planting, baseball, maybe down here. Um, well, again, we're glad you're here. Uh, let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump in. Father, we're thankful for even just that video we watched, the, just the different expressions of your bride throughout the world and how you're moving in different parts of the world. And so often we can get kind of locked in and have, have blinders on to what's just happening in my world or just even what's happening in my church. And it's so good. It's such a good reminder for me to see that video and remember that your church is being built. Your spirit is moving um, all over the world, even apart from what we're doing here. And that should be humbling to us. But hopefully it's encouraging, the fact that we are, we are part of something so much bigger than ourselves, so much bigger than Providence Road, so much bigger than Acts 29. We're a part of this movement of churches being planted that are lifting up your name. And we're thankful for that. And I just pray this morning as we look at your word that you would change us and, and allow us to be a part of that in, in, in a small way that you call us to. So help us this morning do that through your word. We love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. My first job out of college was working at a small oil and gas company. I was kind of entry-level position, so I had the opportunity to do a lot of things there at this particular job. And um, I... I had, it was a good job for uh, uh, someone just coming out of college. It was, it was decent pay, good benefits, um, stability, all of those things. But I was miserable. I was miserable. I would come in and just kind of go through the motions. I was um, distracted by things that would uh, distract my attention on, on my computer, on the internet. Um, didn't really do anything wrong, but there was just no extra effort that I put into it. No, there was no joy in what I was doing in that season at this particular job. And some of this had to do with my immaturity at the time. I didn't understand, like, I think the purpose of work and how it fits into God's plan. Um, but I know it had to do with a lack of purpose that I felt in that particular job. I felt like this company that I worked for didn't really need me. I feel like they, I was replaceable. Like I, I didn't feel like I was part of something bigger than myself. And I felt uh, like anybody could come in and do the things I was doing. Again, a lot of this was my immaturity. And I didn't understand how God could use my occupation, even me going to church in a job that maybe I was bored at, 
to further his kingdom and the, the money that I was getting for work, I could have used for kingdom purposes. And again, none of that was on my radar at the time. Again, lack of maturity and just discipleship. Um, but bottom line, whatever the cause was, I had no passion, no purpose, or joy in that season of my life. And maybe you're like me and you've had a season or seasons of your life where you just feel like you're maybe in a rut and there's no purpose and you like joy. Or maybe you're in one of those now. Maybe you um, just seem depressed and you can't figure out what God's plan is maybe for your life. Maybe you go to work and you're, you're super bored and you think like those, those, those candies ain't going to crush themselves, right? And you're distracted by that stuff. Or you're thinking, how is, how is Patrick Mahomes going to have a good day today or this week if I don't get him in my lineup? Because I'm really important to the outcome of that, right? Like these things distract you. They maybe entertain you to some degree because you aren't passionate about what you're doing. You, you lack purpose in what God, where God has placed you in one of those um, spots or one of those places. And I think one of the things that contributes to our overall just depression and lack of joy and, and um, discontentment is a lack of purpose, just an understanding of why we exist, why we're here on earth as human beings, and especially as followers of Jesus. And what makes this even more difficult is we are in the most entertainment-saturated time in the history of the world. Like, like entertainment is at the, the, literally the palm of our hands. We walk around with a supercomputer in our pockets just waiting for us to be distracted and entertained by. We've got algorithms set up to be able to, to, to feed us and put in front of us what we're interested in, and so the cycle continues over and over and over. We often find our purpose in life through our, the characters on TV shows or the TV show itself or through our favorite follows on Instagram. We, we kind of we draft behind them. We kind of tag along with them as they have a purpose, but we don't ask, well, what is our purpose? And God has created us for this. He has created us deep down to find purpose and meaning in our life. He's hardwired um, that into our DNA, but we often chase counterfeits of the one true story, and that's the gospel story, the greatest story of God redeeming the creator God, the holy God, redeeming and welcoming broken, sinful people back into his family through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the work of Jesus Christ. This is the greatest story. This is the greatest purpose narrative the world has ever known or will ever know. And God calls us, especially as followers of Jesus in the church, to be a part of this. And that's the good news. If you're in a rut, if you're in a season where you lack passion, maybe you feel like you don't have purpose, you question why you exist, the scripture is clear on your new identity and your purpose as a follower of Jesus. And he's created a vehicle for you to get to that spot in. God has designed local churches in such a way that they would reproduce through each individual person doing their part. It's, 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 it's on all of us. It's for all of us. God, in his perfect wisdom, which I don't understand a lot, he decided to put kind of his mission in the hands of broken, weak, sinful people like you and I, and he empowers us with the Spirit, and he gives us marching orders, a command, a mission to fulfill. 
I don't understand why he did that, but we can, we're a blessing. We're, we're blessed to be a part of that. You're a part of God changing people's lives, building his church. So the church is benefited by you being here, but you also receive benefit by being in a church. You have a greater purpose. You have a new identity. And we call this process that God, through the Holy Spirit and, and the person and work of Jesus, um, starts churches. We use this, we, we, we refer to this as church planting. Church planting. For some of you, that may be a, a strange uh, two words to pair together, church and planting. But as we read the scriptures, it shouldn't surprise us that we have this kind of agricultural um, word in there because so much of the teaching uh, that, the, that especially in the New Testament and, and Jesus himself gives us is by using images of agricultural, growing and plants and trees and seeds. This is part of how Jesus teaches us. And so church planting makes sense when you think of what are we actually doing here. We're starting churches that would grow and then start more churches. And the first hints of the church in Scripture are not found in Acts or the Great Commission that we also often think of. We actually have to go back to Genesis 12, chapter 12, verse 1, to see this. God says here, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and in him who dishonors you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God chooses a people to be his people for his glory, and in turn, he's going to use this people he's chosen to be a blessing to the rest of the nations, to the world. This is his design, and that shows up in the 12th chapter of our Bible. And for what we know, Abram was a guy who, who was just a normal guy with probably living a normal life with kind of the normal person purposes, right? Maybe trying to survive and find some food, put some food on the table, take care of his family. Like this, this is kind of what we, maybe we know from Abram. But God gives him a new identity, and he gives him a new purpose, and he has something now massive to live for, Abram does, from this point forward. And his focus is there. And as followers of Jesus... Like Abraham, we've been given an identity and a purpose. If you fast forward to Matthew 16, this is Jesus talking to Peter, one of those kind of major turning point moments in the New Testament. Matthew 16, 18, um, Jesus says this about the church. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we talk about church planning. One of the things we have to remember, this is Jesus' church. He is the head of the church. It's his mission, and his mission is accomplished primarily through church planning. If we are Christians, we can take comfort in this passage. We can have, we can have this, this, this passage will empower us to know that the strongest, really, gates that we have on earth, it's the power of evil found in hell, those gates in their defensive posture will not stand against and have no chance of standing against Jesus' church, when it is moving, when it is going, this is a promise Jesus gives us here. And we can take encouragement from that. And when things are hard, we can know that, that this is actually happening. Maybe not in our area, but somewhere in the world, Jesus' church is moving and advancing. And we, we hear that in Jesus' words here. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This mission is first given to his disciples. Um, and by the disciples obeying, those disciples obeying the teaching all things, you go fast forward hundreds of generations down to us, and now we are taught, and part of that teaching is to evangelize, to witness, to make disciples. So this is our mission. We're to obey this mission that Jesus gives his early, uh, early disciples, which would turn into the church. This is our mission, make disciples, our calling. We have a purpose. And for us, part of, part of, it is about discipleship, which evangelism is a part of. So church planting is more than just getting people saved and getting them in a group uh, together. It's about discipleship. It's a call to, to learn the ways of Jesus, to grow up in the ways of Jesus, and to follow him. Not just to pray a prayer or to make a decision about him. It's to get in a church and have discipleship relationships that can allow us to grow. That's the point of Matthew 28. And then Acts 1.8, passage that Blake reads. This is Luke's version of the Great Commission. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Before this, Jesus tells him to wait. The Holy, I'm going to send some, I'm gonna send someone to actually help you, to, to allow you to do what I'm calling you to do. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and all Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then we have the Acts 2 passage, 41 through 47. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending in the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So you have Acts 1.8. It sends the disciples out. They begin to preach the gospel. Thousands of people are saved. And this is the first kind of picture of those group of people who were saved kind of doing church together. That's what Acts 2.41 starts with. These people, are, their lives have just been turned upside down. One day they had more important things to do. They had a different purpose. And the very next day, their lives were transformed. And now they have a new purpose. And notice this, it's not just on Sundays. It doesn't say they just hung out one day of the week. It was day by day they were doing these things. This was an everyday thing. It wasn't a one day a week checkbox kind of thing. They met in the, the, the public areas, the temple, and they also met in their homes. They did both consistently. This is the calling of the church. Then you have Acts 9.31. This is, is, is several chapters later. But I want to highlight this because this is Luke kind of giving us kind of a, a point where he's reminding us of what's happening in Acts. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Now I want you to notice the words built up and it multiplied. God has hardwired into creation this idea of reproduction and multiplication. To create a new human being, you need two other humans, right? Humans create other humans, right? To create trees, trees grow and they have fruit and the fruit contains seeds. When fruit falls, the seeds fall as well. And the seeds go into the right soil, the seeds sprout. Another tree is, 
it grows and is created and uh, bears fruit, and that fruit falls, seeds are planted, and the, the cycle continues on and on and on. Everything that has to exist for a new tree is contained in, in, in the seed. Needs some soil, needs some water probably, but everything you need for a new tree is found in that seed. This is the, God, the way God has hardwired things into creation. This is the same with the church. Everything a church needs to start a new church, if it's a healthy church, is contained in that church. You don't need something like miraculous or something else. You need the power of the Holy Spirit and disciples and some health, and you can plant churches. Healthy things reproduce. This is the way churches are planted, is by members of churches reproducing themselves spiritually in others. And when that happens enough, God is going to raise up leaders. Some of those leaders are going to stay and do ministry in that local church, and some of those leaders are going to leave and go plant other churches. This is the cycle. This is how churches are planted from within local churches. It was never meant to be, church planters were never meant to be found only through seminaries. Oftentimes in the church world, you, you go to the, the educated places to find the people to plant churches. You can't find church planters there, but it should still be within the local church, churches are planted and started out of. And now I want us to see how the gospel story of multiplication ends. Revelation 7, 9 through 12. So now we're looking forward. We've looked back into Acts. Now we look forward to when there, are, there is no more church planting needed. Verse 9, after this I looked. This is John speaking. In a vision he has. And behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And this is what happens. This is the end result of church planting. And we have to keep the end in mind. When you see a video of churches being planted all over the world, Japan, Nepal, Kenya, Canada, there will be people from each of those churches around the throne in heaven with, if you're a follower of Jesus in here, you're going to see them. You're going to at least see their tribe or see their nation or their people around the throne together worshiping the king. That is why we do church planning. So people would come to know Jesus and God would receive glory and glory in fullness in Revelation. When Jesus returns and his new heavens and new earth are, are, are created, are set up. We want to be a part of this gospel story of multiplication, and we have been a part of it. In, in, in the Czech Republic, which I had the opportunity of just coming back from last month, there is um, a church that is being planted out of another church called Coastal Enoch, and they are this little group of, 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 of people who are leaving to go plant this church in this city, um, similar to Norman. They are leaving one church, going to plant another church, and as that church is established, their heart can combine with kind of their mother church is to create a network and movement of churches throughout the Czech Republic so that the, the whole nation of Czech can have churches. And they hope that extends beyond Czech to the, the rest of Central and Eastern Europe. This is their vision. 
This is the first church plant out of that church, but they want to see more of this happen, and we, are, we want to be right there with them and supporting and, and being encouraged by them because they are so encouraging. We have uh, a group in the, in the UAE, and that, that they want to see churches planted throughout the city. Um, that this is a melting pot of cultures and nations that come to this city in the UAE, and they want to see little churches, maybe big churches, eventually planted amongst every people group in this city. That is their strategy. And so those people groups will have churches in them, and it would spread throughout those nations, tribes, and people groups. We want to be a part of that. We're praying that God would use them. We have two churches that, or one church specifically that we've planted from our church called Union Church. Chris and Kara Jane Brister, we sent them out, um, it was six years ago now, we sent them out to plant um, Union Church. And they went hard after it for five years, bared a lot of fruit, but they had to close their doors last year. Uh, COVID was hard. It got them. And like Blake's point, this is, this is really, really hard. They, planted, they went hard for five years, didn't do anything wrong, but that was, their, that was their race. They finished the race that was laid out before them. Right? Church planning is hard. We have another church that we've been supporting called Credence Church in Lawton. And I was on the phone with their, their uh, pastor a few weeks ago, and Easter happened to be their last Sunday. They are closing their doors as a church, too, after six years. Church planning is hard. It's hard. But five years, six years of, of a church isn't a failure. They didn't do anything wrong. That was in God's providence and sovereignty. That was the life, lifespan of their church. It's interesting that none of Paul's churches, the greatest missionary ever to exist, none of his churches are still in existence. None of them. You know, ch- church may get 200 years, you know, around here if they're, if they're lucky. Church may get 50 years. A church may get five years. Doesn't matter. We want health, and some of those things take care of themselves. But this highlights the need to care well for not just seeing churches planted, to care about health, to care about the life of pastors, to care about the lives of families of pastors, and make sure that they're not having to close because of unhealth. They're not having to close because some issue is there that we didn't address, or we didn't help them enough. We are part of Acts 29. We've seen that. We want to continue to partner with like-minded churches to plant more churches, because it's not just us that's doing this. We want to link arms with other churches that are similar to us to see more churches planted. We think we can do that better when we combine other churches. And just to mention a few of the things that we have going on here, there's probably more than I'm, I'm forgetting. We have, we have people who are getting ready to leave for multiple years to go overseas. We have some students involved in something called Fill the Stadium right now that is, 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 is in a couple of weeks, Saturday, April 29th. And they have a vision of filling the stadium with people to hear the gospel, 86,000 people. You can, I think maybe you can still take a set. I've heard it's getting close or maybe being like sold out. But they're trying to fill the stadium so more people can hear the gospel. And there's several students involved in that here in the church. You have uh, many people in this church are involved in student mobilization. They're leaving for the summer to go to something called Kaleo where they're going to make disciples and be discipled themselves. We have students going to camps, summer camps, different kinds of camps, internship. We are sending people out this summer to, to do these types of things. We want to be a part of this gospel story. And I'm thankful that God is using us in this way. But I'm also praying for more. I want God to continue to use us. I want God to continue to, to, to raise up more church planters, to send more, some, more, more uh, groups of people out to plant churches in our own backyard, maybe in neighboring cities. You see, this process we see in Scripture, especially the book of Acts, is the gospel is the gospel's proclaimed, the church is formed, Disciples are taught, leaders are raised up and equipped. Again, some stay, leaders stay, some go, churches are planted, 
And the process continues over and over and over. That is church planning. That is God's design for reaching the world. The Holy Spirit uses people like you and I to be able to do that. It's not just done through paid staff or paid pastors or deacons or elders. That's not, it's not just up to this small group of people. Everyone is involved. Everybody has a role to play in church planting. It takes all of us. So being a part of a church is so much more than just attending. Now it even goes so far, it's, it's more than just serving. I think being a part of a church means reproducing yourself spiritually in the lives of others. It's a high calling, but I think that's the aim. I think that's what, what, what believers should do. Healthy things reproduce themselves. And I want us to call, call us to that as a church. I want to reproduce yourself, and down the line, other people will reproduce themselves, and it may end up in a church being planted. Kind of back to my illustration at the beginning, we should never be bored. We should never be bored in life as followers of Jesus. Our lives should never be on cruise control. We should have this holy discontentment with this world we live in and want to see God do more in our churches and through us. We want, to, we want God to move in Providence Road more. We want God to move in our city more, in our nation more, in other unreached peoples more. We should have this holy discontent because we have a new identity. We have a new purpose that, fo- that flows out of that identity. Now, a few minutes ago, I, I mentioned Acts 9, 31. So we're going to go back there. And I want to highlight again the words being, being built up and multiplied. And I think they are connected. When a church is built up, it multiplies because God has hardwired that into the life of a church when it's functioning in a healthy way. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. This is an important verse. Um, this is Paul talking to an established church, a young church, but an established church. And he's actually showing them how, this, how a church becomes healthy in chapter 4 here and also how it reproduces. Listen to this. Verse 11, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. That's, that's kinds of leaders, leaders with kind of certain kinds of bents, bents and, 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 and skill sets. So he gives the church those kinds of people to, here's verse 12, to equip. In order to equip the saints, that's everyone who is in the church who's a follower of Jesus. Equip the saints for the work of the ministry, which is basically everything the church does. That's the work of the ministry. For building up the body of Christ. There's the building up idea again, which eventually will end in reproduction and multiplication. I think churches get in trouble when the, the leadership kind of hoards the ministry, right? The leadership kind of hoards the ministry. This produces um, kind of complacency in people. This, this, uh, this uh, produces a, 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 code, a dependence. People become dependent upon kind of paid people doing all the work. And then it also is the flip side. Paid people doing all the work begin to feel like they're better than they are. Like all the fruit's coming from them, which allows pride and arrogance to puff, up, to puff us up. And so there's this codependence, unhealthy codependence happening in that. The leadership of the church is called to equip everyone in the church to do the ministry, right? So we're all called to be ministers of the gospel in the local church. So the church can be built up, become healthy, and reproduce. I want us to show our values up here. So go ahead and put that slide up here. Here are our values. So how does this play out practically in our church? There's our values gospel centrality, formative community, everyday discipleship, missional living, and then the bottom one there, planting healthy churches. It's kind of the one that doesn't fit, right? 
Uh, one reason why it doesn't fit is those, those first four, you can really see yourself like as an individual being able to live that out. And I think that fifth one can think, well, the, us as a church are going to plant healthy churches, but I'm not really a part of it. And I would make the case the principle underneath that is reproduction. Like everyone in the church is called to reproduce themselves, and as a whole, the church will then reproduce itself. The second and, and, and maybe even more important thing is to see that the bottom one is an outflow of the first four. If we're, doing, if we're healthy in those first four and people are, are intentionally living those out, we should plant healthy churches from Providence Road. I firmly believe that'll happen because those first four things, we see that in the scriptures. We see that in Acts consistently in churches that are being planted. Now, does this mean we have to do all the four of those things perfectly? Absolutely not. It's more of the intentionality behind it. We'll never do any of those things perfectly. It's the intentionality to be aware of those four values and asking, what am I doing in my own life to kind of live out those values in the context of the church and outside the church as well? These are our values. Um, we won't be a church planning church without doing these things first. This is why when I coach church planners um, through Acts 29 and guys looking to, to, to start a church and that have just started a church, I want to see a plan for how they're going to build communities, how are they going to make disciples, how are they going to train people. I want to see those things before I see your, your first sermon series, your plan for your worship style, what's your plan for kids' ministry. Again, those things are important, but they are all secondary to those making disciples, building community, being on mission. That is what makes a church, and that is what reproduces church. Okay? That's why these things are so important. I've said this before here, but I want us to be a, a church that resembles um, an, an aircraft carrier more than a cruise ship or even a battleship. And let me explain that. A cruise ship, those of you who've been on a cruise, you shop around. There's different cruise liners. They did have different amenities. You are actually going into that thinking, when am I going to get the best for my money? What is going to cater to me that's going to make this week-long or two-week experience the best part of that? We don't want to be a church that says, I'm going to, we're going to try to do all these things to make everyone happy so we can fill seats and keep people in seats. That's a, that's a treadmill that leads to nowhere, and we're not going to be that kind of church. We don't want to go in that direction. And I'd argue we don't even want to be a battleship. You think of a battleship, it's like a, a big ship that kind of goes every place, and it's not very flexible, goes into a situation, and it, it is on mission, but it's like an organizational thing. We want to be more like an aircraft carrier. An aircraft carrier um, is someone who is away from the battle, but it is sending people constantly into the battle. It's equipping. It's sending people outside of the ship to actually do the work, right? And so we want to resemble more like the, the, the aircraft carrier than for sure the cruise ship and even the battleship. We want, to, we want to send. We want to equip. We want everyone to kind of say, what is my role here? How can I live out the gospel where I'm at more? Um, we've never had a goal of being the biggest church or the largest church. We, I, the number that I really care about, and I think our elders care about, is how many churches are we planting? How, how many times are we reproducing ourselves? Not how many people can we get in a room. That's never really been our goal, because I don't think that's the goal of the scriptures. I see Acts, and it's how, how can we have health so we can reproduce? That's what we want. One um, um, image I, I uh, heard this week, and I thought it was really helpful, that churches are intended to be streams, not ponds. The water's supposed to, meant to flow and keep flowing. Ponds, murky, kind of gross, stagnant, like the water's not moving, right? We want to be a stream where the water comes in and it's moving out. It stays clean. Right? There's purpose in those 
streams. Or to use another metaphor, highways and cul-de-sacs. We want to be a highway, not a cul-de-sac, where you come into the church and you just start keep going around and around, and five years later you look up and you're kind of doing the same thing. We want to be a highway. We want to be people growing and equipped, and some of you sent out. So here's what this means practically, to get, uh, to get kind of specific here. Some of you, new to your faith, if you're new in here, you're just learning what it's like to follow Jesus, you've got to start somewhere. And we're all on a different, someplace different on this continuum. For you, it means finding a place to serve in the church. It means learning what it means to become a faithful giver financially to the church. It means learning the basics of the faith, what it means to pray and study your Bible and be in community. That's for those of you who are new in the faith. Others of you who've been in, been in church for a while, have, have had faith for a while, um, you need to ask questions like, am I living out the values of the church? And take a hard look at that. Am I working towards leading others to live out these values? So do I have some leadership gifts that the church could use? Am I investing relationally in people inside the church and outside the church? Notice investing relationally. Not just kind of being friends, but investing relationally. Am I contributing to a gospel community in such a way that other people will grow because I'm in the room? Like I'm actually aiding people's growth in the gospel because I'm a part of the gospel community. Do I have people that don't know Jesus that I'm intentionally loving like Jesus would and talking about Jesus with? Being on mission, spreading the gospel, right? And here's the deal. When you begin asking these questions, here's what's going to happen. Because I ask these questions of myself every day as one of the pastors here. Um, you're going to have doubts. You're going to have doubts. You're going to think, I can't do this. I don't have time. You will see all the obstacles. You will. You'll start thinking about and reflecting, and you'll see obstacles. Instead of asking, I have a new identity. I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit want to use me in this time and in this season of my life? You have the Holy Spirit. You have a new identity. It's called the helper. There's a reason why the Holy Spirit is called the helper, to help you fulfill the mission and to grow up into Christ. So when you feel this discomfort, I encourage you to lean into it. Don't run away from it. Lean into the discomfort and ask some hard questions. Talk to people. Please talk to one of me, myself, or one of the other pastors, right? Um, talk to maybe your gospel community leader. Process this with others, thinking, hey, I'm feeling this. I feel like I have these skills or have this kind of time to be able to do this. I really want, and let, let us find a place where you can serve and lead best, where you can invest in others well. Listen, Jesus is risen. We talked about it last week. He's alive. And that happens. It kind of manifests itself through the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And he has sent his spirit to extend the kingdom. And part of that is church planting. We want to be a church planting church, but it is going to take all of us. So let's do it. And let's pray. Father, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for this calling that you've given us and that um, churches just don't magically appear, that they start way back in that seed form. Maybe it's a gospel community that's doing all the things, not all the things, but many of the things a church would do, and people learning how to be a part, a big part of a church and functioning it with their gifts in mind through a gospel community first, because we can also, we can always get um, overwhelmed by all the things that happen in a large church. So help us be more involved in communities where we can use our gifts, where we can invest in others well. And I pray that we remember our identity, that we're not working for a new identity. We have a new identity because of the gospel, and now we work from that. 
that produces in us fruit and reproduction. And I pray that your spirit would help us see that. This isn't a law. This isn't moralism. This isn't try to earn your approval. We have as much approval as we could ever possibly have in your son. And now we just want to follow him into his mission through the spirit. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.